So we have to take action to change that. So we, in 2021, transitioned our products all from traditional skincare products to products in bar form or in paperboard tubes. We use FSC certified paperboard, which is Forest Stewardship Council certified paperboard. We print with soy and algae-based inks, so they are completely home compostable, biodegradable, literally zero waste. Our products are all plant-based ingredients, so they are also safe for the environment and safe to use if you're camping or hiking or any of those things. Welcome to the Brands for a Better World podcast, the podcast that brings you the stories behind people and products, building a more just, healthy, and regenerative future for us all. Tune in weekly, and together, we'll learn why these better products and brands were created, how they're helping fix broken systems, and what you can do to support them. My hope is that you'll discover some new brands to love and get some sparks of inspiration that will help you live your best life. Hi, I'm your host, Gage Mitchell, founder of Modern Species a sustainable brand design agency helping better brands grow to scale their impact. This podcast is one way we do that. If you like the show, please help it grow by leaving ratings and reviews on your podcast app and by sharing your favorite episodes with your friends. Maybe this will be one of them. On this episode, I'm speaking with Kelly Perkins, founder and CEO of Spinster Sisters, about their journey towards becoming plastic negative, the challenges of removing plastic from their supply chain, and why they decided to become a certified B Corporation. And finally, we wrap up with a rapid round question segment. Enjoy. So, hi, I am Kelly Perkins. I am the founder and CEO of Spinster Sisters Co. We are a plant-based, water, and plastic-free skincare company. We are based in Golden, Colorado. And, yeah, we're on a mission to eliminate single-use plastics in the beauty and personal care industry. Love it. I'm excited to have you on and chat a little bit more, partly because, as we were talking about before the recording, I'm originally from Colorado, so it's nice to kind of feature hometown folks in the show. So I'm excited to chat more about what you're up to. But with that said, I'm also excited because I know there's a lot of conversation about plastic lately, especially uh, with all the research studies that have come out with how much plastic is in the air, in our water, in our food, in our furniture, and everywhere in we go, right? And, yeah, yes. there's so much of it that we've kind of absorbed it. We are basically becoming plastic. So I love companies that are taking a stance and trying to do something about it by removing plastic from the waste stream wherever they can. So I'm really excited to chat more about your Peace Out Plastic campaign. So tell me more about your journey to become plastic negative and why you feel it's so important. When we first started Spinster Sisters, we were a much more conventional personal care line, you know, a lot of plastic tubs and tubes and things like that. But kind of over the years, I've learned that personal care and beauty industry generates 120 billion units of packaging every year. And a lot of that, we use pumps and sprayers and treatment pumps And those are mixed plastics. So unless you have somebody, you know, keen enough to know to pull them apart before they go in the recycle bin, they're not recyclable. 
So it's astonishing how much plastic there <laughs> there is just generated by our, by our industry, and you multiply that by thousands of other industries, and it's astounding. So I just kind of made the decision that I did not want to be contributing to this problem. In fact, I wanted to be taking active action to reduce it. You know, the thing with plastics is they continue to break down and break down and break down, but they never go away. So, you know, like you said, they're in our bloodstreams, they're in our soil, they're in our water, and they're never going to go away. So we have to take action to change that. So we, in 2021, transitioned our products all from traditional skincare products to products in bar form or in paperboard tubes. We use FSC certified paperboard, which is Forest Stewardship Council certified paperboard. We print with soy and algae-based inks, so they are completely home compostable, biodegradable, literally zero waste. Our products are all plant-based ingredients, so they are also safe for the environment and safe to use if you're camping or hiking or any of those things. So you mentioned that you transitioned the packaging in 2021, but were your products always more on the, you know, toxin-free, plant-based, etc.? I grew up in Boulder, so natural products have been a part of my life, my entire life. Right. And I read some pretty scary articles in the 90s. I'm old, you can see. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I read some pretty scary articles in the 90s about the toxic ingredients that are in personal care. And, you know, at the time, people didn't think so much about what you're putting on your body being as important as what you put in your body. So I kind of went on a mission to find clean personal care products. And I couldn't find what I was looking for. So I hopped on my bike and I rode down to Boulder Bookstore and I bought three books on how to make soap and I started making soap. So it kind of started there. I was on a mission to get my friends and family to stop using toxic ingredients as well. So I was pushing it <laughs> on them every step of the way. And they started requesting different scents or different flavors. And pretty soon I had amassed quite a, quite a pile of soaps. I was kind of aching for a creative outlet at that time. And soap happened to be it. It's a really fun process. So um, fast forward a whole lot of years, I met my husband. We moved from Boulder to Golden. And he said, after having to move 20 bins of soap, maybe you should try selling this. So the business <laughs> kind of started by accident. You know, I just started doing craft right. fairs and farmers markets, but it took off and I just have kind of buckled my seatbelt and went along <laughs> for the ride at this point. That's fun. Yeah. So many businesses start with someone solving their own problem and then yes. others encouraging them, hey, other people have this problem too. You should sell this. And then yes. there's like, okay, I guess I'll figure it out. And then... From there, like you said, you kind of just buckle up and go for the ride. I'm curious, how did your product line expand as other people started chiming in and you know buying your products and telling you what else they might want? Yeah, so 
exactly that way. So when I first started, I was doing craft fairs, farmers markets, you know, Boulder farmers market, things like that. And people would come in and say, will you, you know, do you have lotion? Will you make a lotion? And if enough people asked for it, I would make it. So I kind of started with soaps and then added lotions, added lip balms, things like that. So the product line just kind of (laughs) grew organically that way over the years. I did eventually start opening some retail stores of my own. And of course, to fill a retail store, you have to have a lot of products. So we kind of ballooned into a whole bunch of SKUs. And now we're back into reducing (laughs) to a more reasonable number. And it's a lot more scientific and data-driven now than it was at the time. So now we can, you know, look at reporting and things like that to see where there's white space and kind of predict how new products will do. But at the time it was five people asked me to make a lotion, I would make a lotion. So, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I had thought about the retail space being the contributing factor for having tons of products too, because like oh, you said, yeah, you've got to insane. fill out the space <laughs> and give people options. So that makes a lot of sense. But when you, Right now, the business landscape or or times that we're in, I see a lot of people just trimming back down to the key SKUs that are selling, right, to get more efficiencies of scale and and try not to have too much inventory or or burn too much cash flow on making products that are going to sell slowly or not at all. So how have you gone about making some of those decisions? Are you just using your own data through your website of what's selling? Are you tracking data through retailers and what's selling? Both. And we have some products on our website that are not sold through retail and distribution. But yeah, when we had stores of our own, we had gotten up to 250 SKUs at one point, (laughs) which is insane with a small, you know, production staff doing something like that was absolutely insane. But we've kind of switched our focus in 2019 to really focus on wholesale. And so pretty much since 2019, I've been cutting and cutting and cutting. Like I said, it's a lot more data driven now. So we have scan data from registers. We have, of course, our e-commerce site tells us a lot what our direct consumer customers want. And if, you know, obviously, if it's not selling well, either of those places, then it's got to get cut, which is frustrating to some people. And I understand that frustration, but it's kind of something that we have to do. Right. Yeah, I've definitely been there where my you know favorite lotion or something like that all of a sudden is no longer available. And now I got to go on a hunt to find another line product within that same company or another company that I can trust. So I definitely get that. But how do you, what about managing new product innovation when you're trying to keep your SKUs tight? Do you still hold space for developing new products? And if so, how much time do you give them in the market before you decide whether or not to cut them? Yeah, so we actually have, we're still in that SKU rationalization process. We have gotten rid of a lot of SKUs, but you have to hold space for new innovations because there's new trending ingredients. And, you know, in hair care right now, it's rice protein and face care, it's hyaluronic acid and things like that. So you have to hold space for new innovation. You know, at the same time, you can see other products 
kind of dropping off, the interest in other products dropping off. So it's kind of, you know, we have a few core SKUs that have been in our regimen since the start, but the rest of it's kind of an, an evolution, I should say, based on innovation and new research and things like that. Personally, my favorite part of owning this business is doing that research and formulating new ingredients. I had a buyer from Whole Foods this morning ask me to create a new product. And, you know, that fires me up because that tells me right out of the gate that there's white space for this new product and that a buyer is interested in it. So that part is really fun to me. You do have to be pretty careful about it, though. And if it doesn't take off in six months to a year, then it wasn't the right fit. But thankfully, with all the scan data and things like that that we have now, we are not running into that nearly like we used to. So you can kind of tell right out of the gate if something's going to take off or not. So that's really helpful. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> and saves a lot of money. Yay for data. Yes. I never thought I was going to be a data nerd, but... There I am. <laughs> yeah, I hear that. So back to the plastic transition a little bit. So obviously that probably it almost sounded like it happened overnight in 2021 you you made the switch and you know maybe it took a couple of years but like was there a long lead up to that process because I know a lot of companies that have been looking into moving into compostable or recyclable or whatever but the options just weren't out there or the cost was too much or it didn't work their specific product properties in, start, in terms of like moisture barrier or something else like that, or there were issues with that material holding up at retail environments, so on and so forth. Lots of different issues, right? So what were some of your biggest hurdles when you made that plastic transition? Yeah, so there's definitely been trials and learnings and, and all of the things. The reason that we ended up going this direction is we... We have been making shampoo and conditioner bars for since 2014. My husband was using soap in his hair and he has feathers instead of hair, like super, super fine hair. And I said, you can't keep using soap, hand soap for your hair. So I formulated a shampoo just for him, then tried it myself and loved it. And it was kind of one of those products that was out there and a couple people adopted it, but, you know, it wasn't a huge seller, but we kept making it because we were big users of it. It kind of started growing slowly, but surely. But as soon as the pandemic hit, we saw 1100% growth in shampoo bars that first year of the pandemic. So that made the decision a lot easier. And we started talking internally about adoption of the shampoo and conditioner bars going through the roof and what if we created more products that were plastic free like that so we started the development process i started the development process and doing the research on more products and white space again all the things and started formulating products we would send it out to a bunch of our best customers get their feedback on it see if it's something they would use. It's a new format. And there was nobody in the U.S. that had a product line like this at the time. 
So it was interesting for sure. I was um, definitely worried about the education piece of it and trying to get people to adopt the products. But we launched the line uh, November 15th of 21. And by June of 22, it was already 72.4% of our sales. So oh my gosh, wow. Consumers were clearly looking for an opportunity like this to help reduce their own environmental footprints. And thankfully, you know, the awareness of plastic usage and the damage that it's doing is just continues to grow. So, you know, I think at the end of 2023, it was about 90% of our sales. We have a couple holdover products that we just have a lot of the plastic packaging here. So we're trying to sell through that and be entirely plastic free by the end of this year is our goal, free of virgin plastics. And um, yeah, there's definitely been trials. We put body butters into a paperboard box, not thinking that the oils might seep into the box. So we had to adapt and start putting them in a biodegradable glassine bag inside the box. When we first started bath bombs and shower steamers, the only plastics that we could find, or the only way we could find to package it reliably was plastic shrink film. But now we get shrink sleeves made of wood and corn fiber. So they're also home compostable. So there's been a lot of learning involved. Thankfully, you know, it's become such a focus for so many people that there's a lot of new innovation coming out (laughs) to kind of help ease this, ease this growth and things like that. So I think it's going to get easier and easier as time passes. But I feel like companies have to make this commitment and make this change. Yeah. And the more companies that do make the change, the easier it will be for everybody. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So we're plastic negative certified. So we can control, you know, the plastic that goes out from our warehouse to our customers. But what we can't control is what comes into our warehouse from vendors and things like that. So we weigh all of our plastic that we use, whether it's shipping tape or All of our products come in plastic bags from our vendors, and we offset it twice so that we're not only trying to cover our own plastic imprint, but we're trying to help cover other companies' plastic imprint. Of course, that doesn't make the plastic go away, but it does help pull ocean waste plastics out and repurpose them for new packaging, things like that. Yeah, and we just did an episode somewhat recently on the Repurpose Global and their that's who I work with neutral <laughs> certification. So I'll just tell everyone we'll we'll put a link to that episode in the show notes as well if you want to learn more about how that program works, about how they're actually pulling plastic out of the environment as part of that commitment. So it's a great, great organization doing some cool things. So I'm it is an amazing organization and it's really, you know, not just impacting the plastic usage and and all of that, but you know, they're giving great wages to local people that wouldn't normally have solid income to help so it's helping the community as well so it's just incredible exactly yeah so thanks for supporting that great organization i know that as part of this whole kind of switch from away from plastic 
You've also been putting together a, a pretty robust, I think, pl- piece out plastic campaign with some great graphics. You know, even your bars have peace signs on it and all sorts of social media content, etc. What are some of the highlights that you've seen from that plastic campaign so far? It's been really fun. So we had the opportunity to do Make Waves campaign with Jason Momoa's Mananalu Water. Oh, really? Nice. So we were part of that last year. What is really exciting to me is our packaging is home compostable. But if what, what if we didn't have packaging at all? So, you know, we have been really focused on, especially with direct-to-consumer sales, but even with retail, with our bulk soaps, on naked products where we're not even using packaging at all. So it's really fun for me to see people that you wouldn't normally think will try buying products with no packaging at all, adopting it. And, and you know, they'll put in an order and say the 10 bars that are unpackaged are for me. And then I bought three bars that were packaged that I'm sending out as gifts, you know. So it's kind of fun seeing that. But, yeah, we've we've worked with some great companies on social media campaigns like High Bar and Dirty Labs. And it's just been really fun working with other founders to really try to make an impact. So, you know, we're B Corp certified, we're woman owned certified, we're plastic negative certified, but working with other B Corps to try to make an impact and and show the power of the B Corp and doing business as a force for good. It's just been really fun seeing the adoption of it. Yeah, that's cool. And we have a really fun campaign launching in about a month. So (laughs) keep your eyes peeled for that. Yeah, that'll be great timing for the release of the episode. People will just be ready to check out all your socials. I assume that campaign will go out through your social medias. Do you want to just drop your handles right now while we're talking about it? Sure. We are on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, LinkedIn, TikTok, all under Spinster Sisters Co. So, yeah. It will go out on all the social channels. We'll be doing email marketing about it for any of the buyers that might be on this episode. We'll be launching it at Expo West trade show. So yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be really fun. (laughs) Awesome. Well, I can't wait to see that. So just in case, uh, for those who are new to this whole idea of a shampoo bar, I know you talked about a little bit about how you came to start using it. But for those who are like, wait, what are you talking about? A solid shampoo? How how does that even work? Can you just explain the basic idea of how a shampoo bar just fits into their daily routine? Yeah, absolutely. So I have enough hair for like five people. My hair is really thick. Um, So just keep that in mind. But so for me, I just rub the, you know, get my hair wet, rub the bar in there and then lather it up. A lot of people will just use their hands, scrub the shampoo bar on their hands, and then put it in their hair and lather it up, but it could not be easier. It lasts a long time. It's much better for your hair. There's no sulfates, things like that. So if you're coloring your hair, sulfates are what strip the color from your hair. So if you're coloring your hair, our shampoo bars are safe to use for that. But literally, you just create a lather with it, rinse it out, and you're done. And no plastic bottles, no plastic waste. So it's really nice. We also have conditioner bars. For me, 
one conditioner bar lasts about the same amount of time as three shampoo bars. The conditioner lasts a really, really long time, um, but it's a great product as well. And again, you can, with the conditioner bar, a lot of people with longer hair will just hit the ends of their hair to keep the ends moisturized, but you can do your whole head however you like. That's awesome. I didn't realize that the conditioner bar would last that much longer, but how long does the shampoo bar last, like in comparison to a bottle of shampoo, liquid shampoo? So we say one shampoo bar is equal to two bottles of shampoo. So it will last about two months. Great. And then what do you attribute the spike in sales around bars during the pandemic? Was that a sustainability play? People were just wanting to reduce plastic and toxins and whatever else because they're worried about the virus or like a health or sustainability play? Or was it like all of a sudden there was some good press and celebrities were using shampoo bars and then it just became part of public awareness? I think it's all those things. I think people had more time on their hands to do research. You know, I think a lot of people wanted to start making an impact before the pandemic, but daily life gets in the way. So life kind of slowed down a little bit for a lot of people during the pandemic. They were home and had time to do research and look at things like that. I was one of those weirdos that was wiping off groceries as they came in from the grocery store. (laughs) So I don't know. I just think that people were, like you said, more focused on sustainability and doing things the right way. Yeah, I have seen some data about health in general being more important during the pandemic because you, know, if you're worried about getting sick, of course, you're going to pay more attention to your health. And then if you're at home and have access to your kitchen, maybe you're going to cook a little healthier and maybe make more things from scratch rather than going out to lunch or ordering food yeah, as much for as sure. you would if you were out of the office. So I think from that standpoint, it makes sense. But like all of a sudden the the explosion of shampoo bars or whatever, like kind of fits into that. But I also feel like to your point, there's probably just a little bit more research. Cause I think laundry, laundry detergent strips started exploding around the same time. Right. So maybe people were just starting to think about what do we have in the house and like, what's, what's really necessary? Like, do we want all these chemicals? Do we want to ship all this water across the country? Are this jugs really heavy to carry? Like there's just all sorts of questions that maybe started popping up and, people had the time and they were at home 24 seven. So they were staring. Well, and I mean, look at all the research that came out too, you know, without all the traffic, how much pollution right. cleared up. And, you know, there was just such a huge impact and things that you wouldn't even think about during that time that, yeah, it's been really interesting for sure. I was astounded at the, the change in people's usage of products during that time for sure. And happy. You know, I think uh, people are much more conscious, like you said, about healthy and better for the environment now than they were before. Absolutely. Who would have thought a global health crisis could actually be a good thing? And and I'm not saying, you know, all the people who got really sick or passed away is a good thing. But for those who are still with us, like having that realization that, oh, actually, maybe I should get off this kind of default path and think a little bit more about how I'm living into my best life and maybe I should get healthy. Maybe I should think of a career transition. Maybe I should spend more time and with the, my kids. You know, all of our impacts on the environment and on the planet. It's such 
such a big thing. And it's, yeah, it makes me really happy that people are kind of adjusting their lifestyles now, for sure. Absolutely. So another thing you mentioned too, that's relatively new is your B Corp certification. So how did that come onto your radar? Why did you decide to pursue that? And what did you learn during that process? B Corp certification for me was the best thing I've ever done for my business. So again, I, you know, I kind of grew up around natural products and things like that. So I was kind of on that path already to start with, but a B Corp certification is not just looking at your products and your packaging. It's looking at how you treat your employees, what you do for your community, greenhouse gas emissions, packaging and things like that definitely comes into play but it's a holistic approach to your company that impacts so many more things than what you're thinking about when you start a company by accident so <laughs> yeah <laughs> so you know like before our b corp certification we didn't have employee benefits i didn't think i could afford employee benefits now we have a really comprehensive benefit program with paternity leave and volunteer hours. We do quarterly as a team, quarterly volunteer events. And it's just changed everybody's mindset about you're not just coming to work. You're coming to make a difference. It's hard to explain it, I guess, but when we do volunteer events, we just have so much fun. It's a great team building opportunity. They're much more engaged in work now that they they now have, you know, partial ownership. They have paid sick time, health benefits, all the things. So it's easier for them. And, you know, it didn't really, for me, have a big cost impact on the company. We have had a steadier workforce here, you know, which is hard to achieve in a manufacturing position. We haven't had much turnover since before the pandemic. So it's it's really changed the turnover rate with my employees. It's made them feel more ownership in in what we're trying to build together. And I think they're just much more engaged in the company. So I cannot recommend B Corp highly enough. It took us a year and a half. It's a ton of work. A lot of it was policies that we already had in place, like bereavement leave and things like that, but we just didn't have it written down somewhere. So, you know, it's a lot of it is just kind of getting your reporting and things like that in place. The impact on the business was fantastic. Highly recommend for everybody. That's amazing. You mentioned, obviously, that it was great for your team. What about for consumers, maybe your retail customers or partners like the Jason Momoa opportunity you got to collaborate on? Has the B Corp certification kind of aided those areas as well? Absolutely. I would say for a consumer, not everyone knows what B Corp certification is. So It has an impact for those people that are really trying to make a conscious impact on the environment and and on their lifestyles. A lot of those people know what B Corp is, but not necessarily everyone. It definitely has an impact with our retailers. You know, there's 
a lot of retailers out there that are really trying to reduce their impacts as well. So if they can get companies like us on board that have a social mission, it helps them kind of quantify what their impact is as well. So I think from the retailer perspective, absolutely. From the consumer perspective, I think a lot of people know what it means and gravitate towards that. But there are definitely some people that don't know what it means. Yeah, as a B Corp myself, I've found as well that beyond all the benefits you described, it's also just a great community of other impact-driven business leaders. So for example, coming up in March, I'll be going to the Champions Retreat for US and Canada up in Vancouver, BC. And and even just planning the the trip up there with our fellow Washington B Corps or, you know, other B Corps that I'm always hanging out with at trade shows like Expo West, just like planning for it's exciting, right? Just getting the chance to hang out with everybody. But but the it's a very collaborative community. It's people like working. That's what with I was others. just gonna say the collaborations are amazing. Yeah. And ev- <laughs> And you walk into that room and you know everyone's kind of in the same mindset of of looking for more ways that we can make our businesses better for our people and, and for our customers and for the world. So yeah. a lot of camaraderie and a lot of great ideas that come out of that for ways to improve our businesses. Yeah, agreed. And for people looking for a little bit more on B Corp, we also have, I think it was episode 30 with B Lab talking about uh, how brands are using our becoming B Corps or how they're using that in some of their marketing and stuff. So check that episode out as well. My theory has always been build the business model now while you're small so that as you scale, those benefits and other kind of impact efforts can scale with you. Because if you try to make big changes and add benefits or give equity or whatever, when you're thousands of employees, like that's going to be a much bigger lift than when you're two employees or something. So my feeling is when you're small, while it seems difficult to make that reach and be kind of better for your team or be more sustainable, I, I would argue that it's actually the perfect time to do it because you can design it into your business model before you scale your model. For new employees now, we have an orientation that covers all of it. So like you said, it's much easier to handle now. Yes. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> Great. All right. Well, let's uh, dive into a rapid round session here before we wrap up. So just have a few quick questions. Feel free to answer them super fast, crack a joke, whatever. (laughs) I'll maybe follow up with some stuff, but hopefully it'll be fun. So first off, I was poking around on your products and uh, I'm just curious, if you had to pick one, would it be bath bomb or shower steamer? Shower steamer. Ah, nice. Okay. Perfect. Okay, so who's your favorite body care brand besides Spencer Sisters? I think Pacha. Ah. Pacha Soap is my favorite. They have a very similar vision and ethos as we do. They're doing things right, and I appreciate that. That's cool. Maybe there's a future collaboration with Pacha coming up then. (laughs) And I know we talked about earlier that you're uh, based in Golden, Colorado, which is my hometown or originally from kind of the Arvada golden area. But I know that since I left the state, the explosion of everyone wearing Colorado branded, everything is just amazing. It's like hard not to see somebody wearing a Colorado t-shirt, Colorado hat, Colorado koozie, Colorado something. So how many brand Colorado branded pieces of clothing do you own? 
I'm one of the weirdos that doesn't. <laughs> like, I still have <laughs> nice. jerseys and stuff from my high school, or, you know, I went to CU, so I have a couple CU Buffs things, but I I don't have a ton of Colorado-branded stuff, which is weird, because right. I've been here my whole life. So Yeah, you're one of the holdouts. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe that's the difference. Maybe it's the newer people that are excited. I don't know. <laughs> okay, so since this show is all about impact-driven brands and leaders. Who's an impact-driven leader you admire and why? Oh, gosh, there's a lot of them. You know, there's there's a lot more companies with social missions now. There's an actress, Amy Aquino, that is doing Baby Steps to Green Instagram and just teaching people about how to reuse plastics and life hacks and things like that. Nancy Burt Whistle is also doing the same thing on Instagram teaching people how to make their own natural cleaners and things like that. So I love, you know, those influencers that are out there that are trying to help people be able to make good decisions and hacks in their own homes. I think that that can have a lot of impact. But, you know, all the B Corps that are out there and even companies on a social mission without a B Corp, there's there's just so much impact out there. There's too many companies to name. So. <laughs> yeah. I like that you mentioned the influencers though, because I, I feel like this era of kind of being famous and making money off of just your social presence is a little bit weird and foreign to me. But when I find the ones like uh, that are actually using that reach and using the money or the power or the kind of influence to try to better people's lives, I, Really appreciate that because for me, when you have power, I feel like it comes with the responsibility to use it wisely. But some people just blow it on like, oh, I'm going to get fancy cars and go live the high life. And my all my content is going to be about me on private jets. Whereas the people who are like, you know what, I'm going to use this platform to talk about plastic or I'm going to use my money to give a bunch of, you know, groceries away to people in this grocery store or something like that. I love when people do that. Me too. Yep. There's a lot of people out there trying to do things the right way and make an impact, and I love it. For sure. So this podcast was called Evolve CPG, and now is called Brands for a Better World. So I'm just curious, what does better for the world mean to you? I think just you know taking a conscious approach to living. Doing. I love that name change, by the way. Oh, thanks. Love it. Yeah, taking a conscious approach to how you live your life, how, like Amy says, to take baby steps. You know, every little baby step that you make is impacting the world for the better. So you don't have to change your entire life to plastic-free today. You just have to start the journey. And what I have found and... Several other people that I've talked to have said, once you start making that change, it really makes you realize like how much plastic you're using, (laughs) how much plastic there's in your home. You know, when I started making plastic free skincare products, I started going, but all this packaging for groceries that I'm buying is in plastic. So now I try to buy bulk and I try to buy paper packaging and it just kind of invade your life a little bit in a good way though and you feel good about it right i think it's great reminds me i can't remember where i originally heard it but there was a a funny quote from a tv show or something that said there are some things you can't unsee 
And <laughs> and it kind of reminds me of that, right? Once you start thinking about waste, you can't unsee it. It's like every time I go to put something in the trash bin and I'm like, oh, but does it have to go in the trash? Can I put it in the compost? Can I put it in recycling or whatever? And I just have this moment of like, why did I even buy this in the first place? Or why did they have to package it with all this? And it's just kind of these these moments where once you're aware of it, you see it everywhere. Yes. I went to an event that had... And keep in mind, I'm landlocked in Colorado, but I went to an event that had all these six packs of water and things like that. So I went through and I took off all the plastic rings and cut them up so that they're not turtle chokers, even though we're in Colorado because they might make their way to the ocean. So it's little things like this that it becomes kind of all encompassing, but yeah, like I said, in a good way. Yeah, I'm one of those annoying people that when I see trash on the hiking trail, I <laughs> pick it up and pick carry it. Up. it. Yeah, <laughs> me too. <laughs> so I'm right there with you. I love it. And then I would also just add one of the things our listeners probably hear me say all the time is progress over perfection. So just kind of like you were talking about with the baby steps, you know, don't feel overwhelmed with all of the changes that need to happen. Just pick one thing and make that one change today. And then, you know, pick another next week or tomorrow or whenever you feel comfortable again. But it's amazing how quickly those baby steps add up to big change. Yes, absolutely. Could not have said it better myself. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Okay, well, we'll go ahead and wrap up there because I see we're at time. So I just want to say, you know, thanks for going on this journey of trying to create better products and then find better ways to package them. And then, you know, using that influence to share better ways of doing things with your audience. So back to kind of talking about influencers, I'd, I'd put you in that category of like, you have the power to make some change and shift other people's habits and culture. So you're using that power for good. I appreciate that. And then of course, as you know, fellow B Corp, go team, and hopefully I'll see go you team. at the uh, champions <laughs> retreat. <laughs> Thank you. It's, uh, it's been an honor to be on here and I really enjoyed talking to you. Awesome. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Kelly or her business, visit spinstersistersco.com and find them on social media at Spinster Sisters Co. If you like this show, remember to help us grow by liking, reviewing, and sharing. If you're new here, don't forget we have over 100 episodes in the archive. Some might be called Evolve CPG, but it's the same show, so dig in for more goodness. If you consider yourself an impact-driven professional, Join me over at impactdriven.community where we're supporting each other's growth as impact leaders. <laughs>